Who knew in the moment? The premise of the show is that as you're living your life, very rarely do you realize the magnitude of a moment while it's happening. However, in hindsight, we can see all of the pivotal moments that led to where we're at. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hello and welcome to another episode of Who Knew in the Moment, the podcast. I'm your host, Phil Friedrich, and today I'm honored to have Wiley McGraw with me. Wiley is a business owner of Radical Performance Acceleration. He's ex-military and also really the start of some of his competitive nature was in as star athletics. And so excited to have Wiley on to highlight just the different pivotal moments that have led him to where he's at and the amazing work he's doing, coaching and training uh, different companies and individuals today. So Wiley, thanks so much for being on. Hey, Phil. I'm glad to be here, brother. Thank you. You bet. So oftentimes our uh, parents' stories can be a part of our beginning story, and uh, that would be a true statement for your life. Your dad was a heck of a baseball player, and uh, then you you kind of grew up around baseball. So talk a little bit about as a kiddo, you know, having a dad that had played um, professional baseball at a level and seeing some of the different folks that you got to meet. <laughs> Let's start with who knew in the moment as a kid coming into this world, I would even remotely... <laughs> be, I would say, molded into that baseball world without ever getting really a choice, you know, uh, yeah. to choose which path I wanted to go. And having having a father that did play semi-pro ball obviously was the big impetus to that. But being connected, friends with professionals like Rod Carew and Bo Jackson, my dad was really connected. So again, he, he saw the talent at a very young age. It was, it was not um, weird, I would say, you know, in those moments to uh, see his son's arm because my father had had an arm he was playing uh, outfield for the team he was on and he was being looked at by like the pirates etc but my son had the arm too so what what does a father do when he you know of course he walked away from that career in the 70s was let me see if I can vicariously build it through my my firstborn son and again he, I, I'm the oldest of three boys where we were all athletes and the household we had was all athletic sports was the primary focus so for that, it just became a passion and obsession to be as best as I, I could be at T-ball at five years old. I was put on the mound and I fell in love with being a pitcher. Yeah. And that's where we, we perfected my arm as being a starting pitcher. And I was always on every team that I wanted to be on. I was always the starting pitcher for every team. I got trained by the California Angels pitching staff in the 80s. Uh, you know, guy Burt Blylevin, Jim Abbott, all those amazing, unbelievable players. Um, but as I got older through this sports household, I recognized also, though, the element of this incessant push to be perfect. And yeah. those moments started to create this story in my own head as a young man of what do I, what do I feel and want with myself right now? Why am I experiencing um, more of the, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it incorrectly. You're making too many mistakes rather than enough balance of like, here's where you're actually really doing good. Yeah. So that created that storyline in my mind that I started to push away from, uh, being as perfect as possible as a young guy. And as I got older, I uh, started to recognize the external stresses from family dynamics that played a big part in my father's drive to make me perfect so that I could become this pro athlete that he expected me to be. And as I got older and recognized that truth, um, it, it, it became this evidently clear uh, truth that I needed to move into a different direction, whether I knew what that was going to be or not. And I found myself kind of rebelling against the, the standards of, uh, of being some hyper-focused baseball player, of being perfect to, to please my father, please the pros that were around me and, and do whatever I'm, I'm told to do at all costs. Yeah. Now, as I hear you say that, I, I sit here and think to myself, 
there's two, you know, bookends, right? And the goal is to maybe not be on one or the other of them. But, you know, you think of, it sounds like your story and maybe a Pistol Pete story where they talk about, you know, my dad just drove me so much that it made me get a little bit bitter and resentment towards him and really even the sport at one point. Right. But because they pushed me, I probably did accomplish and become as best as I could at that. Right. And so I think that's the tough dynamic, right? Uh, there's the, you want the best for your kid or you want your kid to be the best they possibly can be at something, but there's still this relationship dynamic that will far surpass any, you know, sporting or academic achievement, whatever it might be that you're, you know, nudging or pushing your child for. Yeah, Phil, and, and for your audience to really sink that in even further is the bookend analogy is really good. It, it, it does set a precedent to understand that, yes, I clearly went through those experiences of being expected to be this elite star athlete, and I was. I mean, I, anytime there was a tryout, I always excelled. I was always one of the top picks for the teams that I was on. Um, and I was, you know, I mean, I was 13 years old throwing an 80 mile an hour fastball. So to, it's like that push really evolved the discipline and the focus uh, yeah. that I carry through the rest of my life. But as I look back, as I got older, as I built something of my, my own and discovered more about myself and through these experiences that later came from competitive bull riding and into three tours of combat with the 101st Airborne Division, yeah. I realized, though, the other bookend was unresolved stress in the family mm -hmm. dynamic. Yeah. Personality, unfortunately, personality dysfunctions or you know um, limitations that played a huge part in the driving force behind the other side of being perfect, being the best, showing up and doing it at all costs, no matter what, don't let me down. And I didn't understand as a young kid, when I came into this world, that I actually possessed something completely different as just the nature of who I was, what I was brought into this world as this being, if you will, where mm -hmm. that was the place where everyone in my family wanted to bring their stress. They wanted to give yeah. me those outlets. They wanted to put and compile on me more than just allowing me to be in the environment, to be an athlete, a kid, a scholar, whatever it might've been. So yeah. yes, those bookends are great, but it go, went beyond that. And I later looked back and went, ah, I see why they did that to me. It had nothing to do with being a great athlete, it had everything to do with the fact that I, my presence, who I was made them feel so many different failures that they never really worked through. Mm. And they were trying to play them out through me. Instead yeah. of just about holistically or altruistically, Wiley's got a talent. Let's make him a great athlete. Let's give him the right love, support, and environment to be that. And let's see where he can take it. Now, as you were saying that, it kind of prompts a, a thought to me. And that is, you know, you use the comment, there's an outlet for stress or there's an outlet for things. And right. I think what can happen for a lot of people is we find this outlet, but it doesn't mean that we oftentimes resolve it. Right. We've found a way to harness or, you know, a healthy way to get rid of it, whether it's working out, it's, you know, doing some physical activity oftentimes for people. But by going and for me, it was playing basketball for you, it's playing baseball for people it's going to the gym by going and doing that. I didn't necessarily resolve the issue. I just found a way to reduce the stress that I felt about it. Or I found a way to momentarily ease that from me. So how do you balance that having a creative outlet for, you know, those moments, but also still being able to come back and work through that. That's a fantastic uh, question to pose. It comes down to understanding the differences between the acute and chronic stresses of life's experiences that were in fact negative or impactful on you, like what we just talked about yeah. versus the normal stresses of life that just are a part of being human. 
Mm. What we have done is we've married those two elements together and we have chalked it up and we have um, overwhelmed ourselves with the idea that there's nothing we can do about those life experiences. They happen and we have to just deal with and cope with the stresses that come along with it. Yeah. And that then becomes like a, a ball and chain that we drag around behind us. And what we do is we, we curate our bodies and minds and our emotions of the ability to just deal with and manage that ball and chain, if you will, that's dragging yeah. behind us. And it becomes normal, it becomes normalized for us. So then when we seek out those healthy outlets like meditation and yoga and exercise, uh, sex, whatever it might be, entertainment, we find ourselves reducing the impact that those stresses mm. have on us. But we, like you said, we don't resolve them, but we don't know how to, because nobody's given us the right environment to confront them or to even know what that looks like when we confront them. Yeah. So going back to recognizing that there were normal stresses of being an athlete. That's, that's it. Being a yeah. pitcher and expecting to play. Hey, I had them. You're, you're competing against other people. You're learning their, you're learning the batters that you're pitching up against and their, their ability to hit certain pitches and where you need to place your, your arsenal, et cetera. It's a game in, in chess, if you will, that is normal stress. But with the dynamics that we live through, when people have personality issues, when they have unresolved traumas, setbacks, obstacles, nobody really works through them. We stuff them down. We carry them with us. They will impact our performance. They will hinder our potential. It will limit our mindset, our thinking, our rationale, et cetera. And yeah. we will then operate from carrying around those limitations rather than knowing what we're really capable of when we're completely eradicated of those stresses. So what mm. I would say is going back to the delineation, the biggest part of my work and what I've learned over the last 14 years doing this professionally is slaying the demons for these powerful people has helped me understand the delineation between what is actual re regular stress and what are the demons that people are carrying with them that are in fact yeah. screwing with their ability to experience the, that peace, that freedom, that, that satisfaction with the successes that are out in the world creating. That's really good. I love that. So you, you gave a little uh, taster just a minute ago, and that was the fact that as baseball starts coming to an end, um, that can be tough for anybody, mm -hmm. regardless of the age, right? Um, oftentimes we, we put a lot of our self-worth in the way that we view ourselves into uh, the title that we have, whether it's pitcher, it's mom, it's brother. Yeah. I mean, it's businessman, sure. whatever it is. Yeah. And so you adjust and you get into an entirely different type of competition and talk a little bit about that transition for you and how that came to be. Absolutely. It was hard. It yeah. was a pivotal moment where I had to confront again, being where I was in my life, confronting my father about yeah. But I didn't do it from, hey, hey, dad, I need to talk. I did it by doing what I wanted to do anyway and creating the eruption, which was the reaction of him seeing me no longer putting my, my full weight behind baseball, despite the fact it was painful for me because I love the sport. Sometimes when I watch Aaron Judge cracking home runs right now, it's kind of like, man, I remember pitching up against guys that would, would bat like him. And I, I just some, I feel that nostalgic yeah. memory. But I had no other choice. I didn't know what it was. I just, something drove me to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And I dealt with the consequences of making this a decision that felt right for me, despite how scary it might've been. I didn't allow myself to get caught up in the comforts of staying in that dynamic where I was just limited and feeling stuck and not satisfied playing baseball. Right. So I got into this place where I spent time hanging out with people I knew in high school at the time. Um, that were in that world of rodeo 
and they introduced me to some folks that were professionals and they said, Hey, if you're willing, you should come out to this location and, and give it a shot. And I thought, yeah, it, it felt, felt exciting to me. And I got turned on and I saw, I saw myself getting, it's almost like that elation that comes with that, that, that's, um, you know, what's that word I'm looking for? It's almost like a seductiveness. Yeah. So I went out and got on my, the back of my bowl for the first time. And that right there, it set me off forever. It was like, I knew this was the environment I needed to be in. So it's almost like it, it naturally showed up for me because I was willing to face that very uncomfortable truth of my dad's reaction, my family's reaction to me breaking away from what I'm expected to do. I knew I needed to, didn't know where it was going to take me. And I think that's why, you know, the universe or whatever you want to say, brought it to me to have that experience. And I took that experience of mindset and focus of baseball into the world of bull riding. And I got so excited about discovering this wild side of Wiley that I wanted to meet. And I want everyone to hear that is putting yourself in these environments will allow you to learn more about yourself, meet another version of you that you didn't even know existed. Maybe there's right. a part of you that knows, God, I just know I'm not being the warrior I'm supposed to be, or I'm not being the, the creative I'm supposed to be. Well, the only way we stimulate that and need that is by getting into these really challenging places that are unknown to us. And bull riding became my outlet for presence, yeah. intuition, even better focus, emotional stability, mindset uh, transformation. And, and it gave me a space to learn about holistic human presence. Every time I got in the back of the bull, I had no idea what was going to go on. All I knew was Staying connected in the moment allowed me to experience the success of each ride that much more each time I got on the back of another animal. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when mm. you say that, easier said than done for a lot sure. of people, right? Uh, sure. Hey, why, why, I don't like to do things that I'm not good at. I don't like to do things that make me uncomfortable. I like to do the things that I know. I like to do the things that yes. I, I have predictable outcomes with or seemingly predictable outcomes yep. with not this completely random new experience that I've never done before. So what would be your encouragement to someone that is in that season of life that it's like, mm. they just haven't taken that leap for a while, right? Maybe they just haven't had a new experience to get them out of a comfort zone and expand and grow. Yeah, that I, I knew you were going there. And I love that you did. Because if you are someone listening, who's in this position, but there's a drive inside you that says, I know I want more. I, I, I deserve more. I should be more. There's no way you're going to bridge that gap without going into these experiences that you have no control over. Yep. One of the hardest things for people to really grasp is the idea that we are always supposed to know what's coming so that we can trust it. Yeah. It's especially in a personal development space or a human growth is this idea that if I don't know what I'm going to get, if you don't break down the steps for me, I can't trust it. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes most people have pushed away the very opportunities to transform their lives, make more money, grow their businesses, become a better parent, become a better father, husband, wife, doctor, whatever it is, because they were afraid to embrace the unknowns that come with certain challenges that might present themselves. And sometimes, Phil, sometimes those challenges are not going to look the way we want them to look. They're not going to sound the way we want them to sound. They're, they might be harsh. They might be unconventional. But those, it doesn't matter if it's bull riding to ballroom dancing in front of a group of people. It's if you are someone who wants more for your life, this is the only way you're going to get to that next level. If you're in this moment where I don't want to do things I can't see coming at me, I can't control, you're not going to get to where you want to go. And you might as well just address the fact that maybe you're satisfied with where you're at. And then 
just optimize where you're at. Be okay with it. It, it, it. Honor it. Own it. But if you're battling this idea, I want more, then you've got to recognize, well, the, the comforts of what I know is why I'm actually not getting to where I want to go next. So maybe it's time for me to embrace something completely outside of my control, outside of my knowns. And the last piece I'll say to that, Bill, is learning how to yield to the fear of those unknowns that come with those challenges mm. that you yeah. say you want. Fear itself is telling you, shit, about to change. Yeah. For you to get after it. And if you can embrace that fear and use it as a resource for your growth, you'll find that fear is not something you have to overcome or try to get rid of. It can be an asset or an ally to your, your transformation. I love that. And I think, you know, as you're saying that, one of the things that comes to my mind is, you know, how does one grow in confidence? Well, oftentimes it's doing something that makes you uncomfortable, but you achieved it and that grew my confidence, right? And so right. it's that, that tough balancing act. And I, you know, there's a phrase in the military, which we're gonna get to in a minute for you. And that is, you know, uh, no one wants to die, but everyone wants to go to heaven, right? And so it's, it's that idea that oftentimes the thing you want is gonna cause the thing you don't want to have to happen, right? So if I wanna get more confident, I usually have to take a bold step and there's a chance of failure there. But when I accomplish it, the confidence will grow. You're not going to become, you're not going to go from one place of confidence to another place of confidence when things feel good and they're like, you know, sweet and they taste right. And, and it's all, it's all cozy. Uh, everyone talks about comfort zone, but very few surely know what being outside of a real comfort zone actually feels like. Yeah. And going to the military aspect, there's a yeah. part of it that says, it's sweat more in peace, bleed less in war. A big mm -hmm. part of that comes back to your own growth is recognizing that, you know what, if you're willing to embrace the suck of yeah. those arduous challenges in the short term, you will absolutely experience more success, peace, and even satisfaction with what you're doing in the long run. Mm -hmm. But if you want to be that elite in your own life personally, it's going to require the recognition that stretching your capacity, stretching your capacity, is how you grow. A capacity to anything you stretch doesn't come without some form of challenge or resistance or, you know, both. Yeah. It's almost like stretching a shirt. You know, there's going to be this like, oh, I got to, you do, you have to put effort into it. And sometimes it's going to feel a little funky to you. Yeah. But the result will be your capacity has grown. And when your capacity grow, grows, more opportunity can show up. You can manage and handle more your relationship to money, opportunity, uh, clients, other people, et cetera it becomes more exponential. It becomes more massive for you. Yes. Now, in your military time, uh, as you transition into that, uh, one, I'd love to hear kind of how you decided to transition to that. But two, um, you know, I had Rich Devinny on and Rich is an ex-Navy SEAL. And yeah. he, he talks about, you know, mm -hmm. what it takes to be good in the military or to have success in the military. And he says, you know, oftentimes athletes do do well in the military because they've got a work ethic, they've got competitive nature, things like that. But if they were too good, oftentimes they maybe got pampered and spoiled and they haven't had people being brutally honest. And in the military, they break you down to build you up. And so talk about that for you, how you got there. And then also that dynamic of, Hey, being an athlete was helpful, but then there's this aspect that, um, you know, I got broken down when I got there. Well, I'm glad you brought up Navy SEALs. I mean, I have so many uh, buddies that I jump out of airplanes with now that are SEALs still, et cetera, you know, EOD specialists that work with those team guys. And, um, you know, I, I, I met and had conversations like Jocko Willink uh, years ago. Um, big part of the military across the board is they put us in env environments that are completely out of our control. Yeah. That's, it's, 
pushing us mentally, emotionally, physically, and even spiritually. Because I promise you, I've heard people praying to God in moments of training, but it's designed that way to get you to surrender to ultimate vulnerability. Right. The only way you become an elite warrior in the military is going through what I call a framework. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's the same aspect, even in the work that I do with uh, powerful and prominent leaders and public figures is my work is not a program or a coaching system. What I have built is around the relationship dynamics I have with the individual. And I put them in a framework and a container in this relationship so that every moment of every day for a specific amount of time we're together, I, they're always in a state of challenge, stretching capacity, facing truth. So they can actually blow through those limitations and become that elite version that actually has those elements of peace, satisfaction, balance with all the success they've created. So I go, go back to the military as a huge component of the nature of why we're able to do the work we're, we're, we're doing now, just like those guys are doing is because the sports was great to build up physical fitness, yeah. mental toughness, creating some discipline, some values, et cetera. Bull riding became another element that really expanded me into the world of fear, knowing yeah. what I'm capable of, no matter what might come my way, because I could have been injured. In fact, I got injured riding bulls a couple of times. I didn't care. It was all a part of the experience because I liked the way I felt in the discomfort. I recognized that I actually feel good in discomfort. I need to thrive in this if I want to know what life is really all about for me. Yeah. So the military came knocking at the same time because of back to where I talked about with my father, Phil is the eruption that happened because I chose the world of rodeo over professional baseball. I didn't know he had potential scouts lined up to come watch me play in college. So of course that threw, threw him for a kilter that got to the point where he said, maybe you should consider the military. Then mm. it was just thrown on the table. And I, at the time I'd already done a junior Marine Corps program with my middle brother and we loved it. And we're like, okay, is this something we really want to do? So when he delivered that information to me on, in an argument we had one day, and I was already in the rodeo world, crushing it, having a good time. I thought, you know what? I want to go be with other men and women like me mm. who feel, I felt the sense of this. I want to be around other warriors. I want to know what other people are doing that are even more extreme, taking, taking them to another level. So it just naturally became this evolution to the United States military armed forces. And I joined, I wanted to jump out of airplanes. I wanted to be a ranger. I want to do all those cool things. My middle brother went off to go join the Navy because he wanted to go to buds and be a seal. So it's like, this all became just a natural evolution of, of me as a man. And I found the military to be my defining moment in life where during the throes of war, I discovered that gift I had talked about earlier that I had already possessed of being able to erupt and expose blind spots in people's performance, seeing where the stresses really were coming from and how to navigate them as a leader so that yeah. we can use those stresses as assets versus a detriment to our performance. And then it became this like evolutionary aspect of like, well, let me get out of the military and let me start building something around me that I feel I can go do in the world uh, of value for others as well. Now, as I hear you say that, and once again, a, a phenomenal skill set to have. However, there's two parts. One is you being able to identify it. The other is the person being willing to receive it. Right? Uh, oftentimes sure. we can identify that weak spot for people, but if they're not willing to receive it or they, uh, you know, maybe are just adamant that, hey, that that's not true. Um, you know, it can make for some tough conversations and butting of heads. So yep. talk a little bit about one, you know, how you navigate seeing that in people, because too many times people don't see their, their skill sets as strengths. Yep. But the other part is then also how to bring it up to somebody in a way where it's rece received well, opposed to, you know, maybe a person just 
is not agreeing with you on that. Absolutely. Well, that's that's the limitation in the human condition right there. And yeah. it's, it's, it's rampant uh, across our society, especially in American culture. Um, nowadays, we hear it more and more as that's just your perspective. That's just your opinion. Mm -hmm. Everybody is just, it's my truth versus your truth. Yeah. But nobody wants to hear the ugly truth. Yeah. And I was talking to my business partner this morning about it. And I was telling her, it's amazing. And again, my the life philosophies and the things I, I, I've uncovered over my years has nothing to do with following or reading books or somebody else's person. They might seem similar in certain regards, but it's really through the experiences I have in life on a daily basis. And I found ugly truth is different from truth. Truth are the things that we toss around with each other. Like that's your truth. That's my truth. These are your perspectives. But the ugly truth are facts about who we are and what we're carrying around inside us that you cannot avoid uh, for the rest of your life that you cannot just chalk up to being like somebody else's perspective. So I, mm. I start with the answer with that, that point as well. The other piece is to recognizing that some people are just brought into this world with an essence about them that's different than others. Some people carry a power and a presence that causes people to shift, to feel, to, to look at things, to wiggle inside. I'm just one of those people. So right off the bat, that is part of that the innate gift that I have where I was able to succeed in all that I did, especially in the military and now in my business is because my presence alone, I was born into this world with this. I can't turn it off. So it's not like I, I shut it on, I turn it off and then turn it on when I go work with a client. It's every right. day everywhere I go. So it is part of my life. It is what I live by. It's what I stand by. So in the work that I do, when I'm faced with connecting with someone who's, who's in a position of wanting to take their game to the next level, it's because it's the right time for them. And the people that introduce me to them are saying, hey, you've done all of this your entire career. It's time for you to actually do the most radical thing you've ever done. This is the guy that did X for me. And when I meet them and we have these relationship dynamics, their truth start, their truth starts to come out. Yeah. Rattles, I'm able to then communicate with them why they're feeling what they're feeling when they're with me, when we're calibrating them to the work that we're going to do together. And it's all about effacing and experiencing those deep seated truths that they never actually addressed, those stresses that have mm -hmm. been hindering them for so long in the dynamic of intimacy and connection. And yeah. some people can hear it and they run away from it. There are some people out there that want it. They just get very like shocked when it starts to happen, but they're willing to embrace it and recognize that, you know what, this means something significant for me and I'm going to lean into it more. And those are the types of people I end up working with. So the last part I want to make for that question here is human beings have to start recognizing and being honest and truthful with themselves that not everything is just a matter of perspective or opinion. Mm -hmm. Things are going to show up in your life that are going to poke at truths that you may not see. And it's your job to take a step back and take a moment to see if there's value in those experiences when they present themselves, rather than just pushing it away because you don't like the way it sounds or it doesn't rec you know, reverberate within you mentally or emotionally. And so, you know what, why is this coach saying X to me in this moment right now that's pissing me off? Why does it sound like they're just saying some stuff that, you know, that's not true. That's not my, that's not my truth. Yeah. Maybe if I give credence to that for a moment and I give myself a, a second to step back, I will find there's value in that. And maybe that's the very moment I need to lean into that coach and actually allow that coach to push me through a limitation. But we don't do that. We have human beings are like, nah, I like it the way I want it to sound. And if it doesn't sound that way, then it's a threat. Yeah. Okay. Not true. So if I'm the person listening and maybe I've been that way my whole life, right? I, uh, you know, I'll listen to certain things, but once the questions get too hard or too tough or too deep, uh, walls yeah. go up, how do I start working to find the root 
of the problem and bring the walls down or just prevent them from not going up as high? I think that the default, a human reaction is walls to go up. I don't think there's it's it, and the walls can be different types of walls. It yep. can be, they can be staunch, thick steel. And I'm using these analogies for right. your audiences, like the steel walls that go up instantly when you're, you're facing a real threat that is actually maybe something supposed to change you or your mind wants to perceive it as something dangerous. Um, there are other walls that are very uh, see-through, if you will. Um, yeah. It's learning again, it's discernment. That's a big skill that's lacking in, in the world today is being able to discern yeah. what is actually coming at you. What is a threat versus what is actually there to grow you, to support you, to, to give you the atmosphere, the environment and the sub foundational support to transform your life. Mm. We are, we have not evolved, you know, as these, in these animals as fast and as far as our technology has, our minds are still programmed and wired to perceive things that are challenging to us as threats, like wild animals chasing us or potential falling off cliffs or whatever. Right. We're not, we're just, we've not evolved as, as much as we could. Yeah, it's it's about purposeful self-reflection and discernment when faced with things that are very uncomfortable that then gives us the ability to let those walls down enough so that we can recognize that this person might be telling me that I'm basic right now, but they're doing it because that's a way to challenge the limitations that I have been imposed upon or I've carried around inside me that don't let the non-basic version of me shine. Yeah. That sounds so simple, but it's unbelievably crazy how I come at people or even friends of mine that I'm really connected to supporting them just on, on a little elements of growing their businesses. I'm like, you're, 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 this is how you're acting. You're, you're basic right now. And they, they get really angry and I'm like, good, get angry. You know why? Because that energy that you're, you're going through right now is going to pull out all of that garbage, that's not the real you. Yeah. I see the real you and I'm willing to say whatever I got to take to fight that version of you to get it out of you because I want the badass that I know that's inside you. But see, we don't give enough time to sit back and discern. Yeah. This person's really seen the real me I can't see. And mm. they're willing to say whatever they, they have to say to stimulate and rattle from within me that, that change that has to happen. So that's, that's the key element to it. I love it. Yeah. So as you're starting a, you know, coaching and training business, um, you know, that's definitely a uh, sexy career, right? It sounds really good, but it's tough to get started. <laughs> it's tough to get started. So talk a little bit about, you know, your transition from the military, getting your business started and really how those doors opened up. Well, I recognized quickly when I got out of the military that the stress I was carrying from the combat, yeah. of course, family dynamics that were not really handled started to overwhelm me. Mm. And I found that I did not want to live my life carrying that around inside me. And I mm. noticed that the relationships that I was manifesting were similar. They carry yeah. very similar, similar uh, characteristics and, and you know, behaviors, et cetera, that I had grown accustomed to in family, in the military. And I thought, you know what, there's gotta be a way to change this. There was just a part of me that knew I needed to figure out more about who I was. What did I want to create out in the world? I knew I was meant for something bigger. Yeah. I just didn't know what it was. So I found myself on that path of what we call self-mastery. Again, I, titles and labels to me are irrelevant. What matters is the experiences and the environments you're in. That's yeah. all that matters, at least to me. So I got down that path of finding 
therapists and coaches through the VA. I wanted to know and discover and learn about myself in these environments. And I knew the only way to do it because I was a soldier was having a, like someone across from me that I can bounce this off of. Yeah. And in that pursuit, I saw the blind spot or the gap in personal growth and personal development. I never found myself following gurus. I never really read books to try to change my life because I, I, I looked at reading books and, and seeing transformation happening the same as trying to be a soldier by reading the art of war. Yeah. Like that books are not going to truly make you face ugly truths to transform your life. It's going right. to be an interaction with people that can push you. Yep. So when I saw that, I recognized that gap that drove me to further understand my gift and want to build something around that, hmm. that can give me the space to then give others the environments they need to change their lives. And it was my business partner who I really, really met years ago, four, 15 years ago, who said, here's what you're really meant to be doing, the power you possess, and here's how you're going to actually change lives. And I thought, you know what, that's exactly where I meant to go. And it was literally days after we had that conversation the first veteran that I, I met said, I want you to coach me. I want you to work with me and help me become more confident, more powerful. So I can feel similar to the way you feel when you walk around in life. And it just started cascading from there where the work I was doing was not coaching. It was truly assuming the life of the person I was working with so that I can go into the depths of the nuances of their relationships, their health, their ment mental states, their emotional states, and create accelerated growth and transformation for them where the VA started taking notice and people were like, what are you doing? These guys are getting off their medications in a matter of a couple of weeks. They're sleeping better at night. They're, there's more peace. They're getting better jobs. They're feeling more fulfilled. And it just became a word of mouth business model where these veterans are like, hey, work with my buddy. Hey, work with this person. I was working with SEALs. I was working with Force Recon guys, uh, Army Rangers. And then eventually one day, my a guy that worked for JSOC was like, hey, I got a buddy of mine's a professional baseball player. Wants to know what you did to, did to me. He wants to meet you. And then I just blossomed out into the world of, being passed along industry. So the business built itself around my absolute altruistic connection to heal, eradicate and resolve yeah. people's stresses so they can accelerate in their lives and experience optimal peace with success. And for me that I found that was where I was meant to be. And I just pursued that with fervor. I love it. And I think, you know, one of the things that's true for many people is we are best equipped to help those that we have been like, right? So for you, it was a natural opportunity to help other people that were ex-military because well, yeah. gosh, I, I've been in those spots before. And then as you grow and evolve, your new life experiences allow you to serve others that you used to be like you, right? Maybe this ex-baseball player, has, you know, parent wounds, right? And ties to that, that it's like, hey, I can help you through that because I have been there. Well, that's why, and I found I, you know, I was, I'm a natural eruptor and my presence and my power that I carry erupts people's deepest, darkest stresses that are right under the surface that have been ready to get out. They're dying to pop, if you will. And that and essentially it's, I was born a demon slayer and I call them demons for a reason. I want that to land. It's so many celebrities now are in the news saying, hey, I've got demons, Mike Tyson, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, uh, Will Smith, Bill Burr. These people are, are sharing with the world. I've got demons that I have not faced. Yeah. This is what my calling has always been. I'm built to work with very powerful people. I don't work with the masses. I work with the leaders that have the influence and impact on the masses. So my job is to slay the demons of powerful people so they can turn around and uplift and impact the masses, the people to follow them, the people they're responsible for more positively versus this infection that we've got going on all around us. Same thing with politicians. 
They're literally breaking us as a society because they are literally the people that are unwilling to look at their own truth. They've got demons they have not faced. They've got stresses they have not resolved. To me, there's no, all I care about and wake up for every day is to go after that and to battle that in the trenches with them in real time, which is why my work is not coaching. It's truly about, I'm like a glorified high paid janitor, if you will. I don't care what I'm called. But my yeah. clients will call me a performance accelerator. Other yeah. people will call me, you know, some demon slaying, you know, crazy, unbelievable, whatever they want to call me. To me, what matters is doing the work I was meant to do, doing whatever it takes to do the work I was meant to do, doing it from a place of truly caring about seeing people live an optimal life and all the other elements of business become byproducts. The money I get to make, the life I get to live is all something I'm proud I built, but that was never my focus ever. And still to this day isn't. So good. Yeah. So as you continue to progress, start with military, get into some professional athletes and now do a lot of different work with, I mean, large organizations, top uh, CEOs and executives. Talk a little bit about how some of those doors opened up for you as you were doing your work. Mm. Those who knew in the moment, pivotal <laughs> moments. Yeah. Um, again, it became word of mouth from a lot of the veterans I worked with, had their contacts, uh, their doctors, their lawyers, their chiropractors just was, I'd travel with them. I'd be around them. Again, my work is very integrated. I come from the inside out approach with my work. Mm -hmm. Whereas most, un unfortunately, most coaches and consultants do the outside in. It's like how they based on their studies, their learnings, their strategies. It's all about fully integrating into the life of each individual. And as I Love did that. that, I was always with them when they would go to different places. So they were introducing me to people and saying, this is the guy that's been changing my life. That's been creating a massive amount of success for me. The money I'm making has grown exponentially. My, my relationships are thriving again, et cetera. So these people wanted to know, hey, would you be willing to sit down and have a conversation with me? What can we do together? And it just became a, a natural, organic, relationship-based referral business where yeah. I started just going to private parties and events, conferences where I was being introduced to people at that level and say, hey, this is the guy that we told you about because people were recognizing something's completely different with you. What are you doing? You were doing all this other stuff and I never saw you transform or change in the way you are now. Here's the guy that did it. So the doors that opened up for me were really me putting myself in those positions. Again, yeah. you know what? I'm going to get in the car and drive to a very high-end event, okay? Full of industry titans and leaders. These are people wearing five to $10,000 worth of clothing, wearing the yeah. Rolexes. They're, they're hanging out together, but they're looking for resources, et cetera. And I had one of the most unbelievable failures of my business when it was new, which was driving eight hours to this event, Bill. And I, I think this is good for your audience to really hear yeah. because it's important to, to, to take a step back and go, okay, where, where can I take a failure and make it a success? Yeah. For me, the doors opened up more so because I went to this event, but I had forgotten all my suits and my clothes back home. I left them by the door at <laughs> my, my condo. Yeah. And I was like, you've got to be joking. And I got to my hotel and I thought, wow. And all I had were my bags with, you know, my nice Chuck Taylors and good jeans and like some cool graphic tees. And I thought, well, I'm here. What am I going to do? And I felt like I just completely failed because if I walk in there, like nobody's going to take me seriously. But I took that moment to go, wait a minute. All those experiences gave me permission to recognize this is a challenge. So I took that opportunity. I put on a shirt that said, I can't adult today. Yeah. And I walked into this event and it was amazing the levity that it brought to the environment, the handshakes, the smiles, the relationships I built with these very powerful people who then wanted to know more about what I did for a living because what I did was so unique and different. And some people that were there were like, yeah, that's the guy I told you about. So it became this beautiful evolution of 
pulling me into different industries like Wall Street, Hollywood, professional sports I was already kind of working in, and then eventually personal development, Silicon Valley. So I'm not industry specific. I'm a human performance resource, very specific types of leaders where they can focus on what they're doing. I'm here to optimize their lives. I mean, I don't need to teach a billionaire how to make another billion dollars. They know how to do that. But that billionaire might be struggling and suffering in silence. And I'm the guy that's going to completely come in and slay those demons for him. I love it. I love it. Well, Wiley, I want to say thanks so much for hopping on and highlighting your story. Is there any other pivotal moments that you really want to make sure we highlight before we bounce today? Pivotal moments. Uh, anytime that I'm faced with something that's very, very uncomfortable, my intuition is telling me, you know what, oh, do I really want to deal with this right now? Or, or do I want to have that, that conversation with this person? I get it all the time. Even when I'm going to have a facial or I'm going to do some like massage therapy, or I might pick up on something I might have to deal with when I walk in. Maybe there's the person's having a bad day. I would leave your audience with the idea that anytime you're experiencing those moments, those are the very moments that we should step towards them. Even if we don't hire that person or go follow through all the way, sometimes the simplest of conversations that are confronting something will in fact open up a door to our next chapter, whether we can see it or not in that moment. And if you're willing to just go, you know what? I need to turn towards my sister, my brother, my business partner and have that uncomfortable conversation. Or I may need to go with something radical like jumping out of an airplane. I promise those are the elements, those moments, those pivotal, who would have known that we're going to change your life in ways you least expect it. It's going to free up more power and potential for you to experience that growth that you're looking for. I love it. I love it. Well, Wiley, I want to say thanks so much for coming on today and just sharing your pivotal moments and everything that's led to where you're at. And I can't wait to continue to follow your journey and look forward to doing this here in probably a couple of years when, uh, you know, maybe you're working with the president at that time or even beyond that. And you know what? I'm open to whatever it takes to get to these people. So because I can see the damage they're causing when they're not living their best lives, not optimal. So thank you, brother. I appreciate you having me on today. Yeah.